0: Welcome to The Fuse Show, a podcast brought to you by Orion with your host, George Viguera and me, Ryan Donovan. Today, we're excited to have Sam Ushio, founder of GVG17, a purpose-driven change management firm based in Seattle. Sam is also the creator of Ikigai Lab, which empowers organizations, teams, and individuals to maximize the power of purpose. At the heart of what Sam does is ongoing research in the areas of positive psychology, design thinking, and experiential learning. Prior to starting GBG17, Sam was director of practice management at Russell Investments, where he led a nationwide team of management consultants that coached approximately 1,000 advisors every year. He's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal and Financial Advisor and Investment News. Before we get to Sam, let's do a little segment we like to call Love It or Shove It. So, George, where do you want to start?
1: I think we start with all the acquisition news that's been all over the news here lately. Um, there's a few to choose from, but one I think I find most interesting is motif um, sure. with them selling their, their custody business or the custody business side of it, folio being sold off to Goldman and then their um, intellectual property, if you will, and their direct indexing being purchased by Schwab uh, to start offering those type of services. So uh, that's an interesting one. Do you love it or do you shove it?
0: I love it because I think it's great that Schwab is going to bring direct indexing and thematic investing to the masses. It'll bring more awareness to a tool that we've been talking about for three years called Astro. So I love it, the fact that uh, Schwab is going to be bringing the ability for an advisor to create a custom SMA or replicate an index strategy within their clients' portfolios.
1: Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think uh, direct indexing has been something that we've been doing for a long time and have uh, had our Astro tool that's been available for advisors. I think with uh, Schwab offering these types of services, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it more mainstream. Or, uh, I think advisors will, will learn about it more. I think it's really been considered a CFA tool. But now, uh, you know, with this increased exposure, uh, having more advisors, maybe interested in Astro, which can do a cross platform or a cross custodian um, portfolio optimization, ESG screenings, et cetera, will be will be good. Hopefully we'll see that 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 interest pick up. Um, do you have do you have one in mind for love it yeah, or shove it? I do. So there's the
0: Franklin Templeton acquisition of advisor engine, George. Love it or shove it.
1: Very uh, acquisition themed, love it or shove it. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with shove it and I'll tell you why. Why? Uh, our friends at Juncture, they this is their their second or third uh, hot potato, if you will, move from, from one uh, company to another. And I, it's just tough for a firm to be uh, focused on releasing new functionality and new integrations. It can be really distracting trying to, uh, embed new systems, et cetera. So, uh, that one, I was a little bummed to see cause I think it's going to, you know, keep some of that functionality and integrations from coming out. What about yeah. you?
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Juncture is an integration partner, um, and we have quite a few clients that are using Juncture, uh, some still using the desktop version. So I think this. The, it took a while for them to refocus on integrations after the first go around when Advisor Engine acquired Juncture. Uh, now I would think I agree with you. It's going to be put on the back burner.
1: Yeah. I got to love it or shove it for you here, uh, Donnie. Love it or shove it trying to do a podcast from your home between three people who are on each opposite corners of the country and trying to get the audio to work correctly. Love it or shove it.
0: I would say shove it. That's yeah. a very big shove it. And I yeah, I'm gonna shove
1: hurt. that one too. So yes. we're excited to have Sam on this podcast. As you can tell, we are we do this uh, podcast from our homes, and Sam is based in Seattle, Donnie being on Long Island, me being in beautiful Phoenix. Uh, there's a, a few audio issues, but we hope you bear with them. Uh, it's a really interesting topic. Sam's uh, really has an interesting uh, concept for him and his business. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get to Sam. Well, Sam, thanks for joining uh, joining us on the Fuse podcast. We're really happy to have you aboard um, and been looking forward to this episode uh, for a while now. I think everyone can agree that right now uh, with everything going on in the world, we could all use some more optimism or some more purpose uh, in our life. And I know when everything first started to happen, I kind of struggled um, uh, just Wanting to do more or wanting to do something to help out. So, uh, I was really, like I said, looking forward to talk, talking to you. So, um, just jumping right in, do you mind um, just telling us a little bit about yourself outside of your intro and what Ikigai
2: is all about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll start with what is Ikigai. So, Ikigai is a Japanese life philosophy. Uh, that um, can be, there's no English translation, but it can be interpreted as your purpose or your reason for being. Uh, it has ties to positive psychology. For me personally, it's a professional and a personal uh, story. So my background is in financial services. I worked in the financial services industry for about 20 years. And in doing that work, I started to lock on to the word growth. Uh, as you guys know, growth is everywhere in the industry. Um, and you know, I started to look to that and started to recognize that word in the industry was heavily anchored on financial growth. You know, we were helping advisors grow their business. We were focusing on growing portfolios for the asset management company, but there wasn't a lot of conversation about professional growth, and there was little to no conversation about personal growth. And um, in doing that, what I you know, I started to recognize that. Uh, that, that, that my uh, decision making mapped a lot of what I was observing in the industry. And so that led to, a, to an entrepreneurial leap and um, eventually led me to this path of a Viki guy. So, the personal side of this, the short version of this personal story is I've, I'm half Japanese, half Irish. I grew up in small town Alliance, Nebraska, in the Western panhandle of the state. Uh, my great grandfather was the next in line to be the head priest of a shrine. My great-grandmother uh, kind of sacrificed and uh, preserved this 1200-year-old Shinto shrine, um, two families on both sides of the war, and uh, and that really inspired me to take this concept of change management that I was leading through the practice management lens with financial advisors and take that, take that architecture and put purpose in front of it, so doing purpose-driven change management. Uh, so at its very basic form, what I focus on in the EKI lab are three things. It's number one: how do we help organizations uh, increase employee engagement? Number and t- number two: how do we help uh, those organizations or those teams enhance employee well-being? And then number three: how do we build a strength-based culture uh, through this lens of of purpose? Uh, so, in a nutshell, I'd say that's uh, uh, you know what IKIGAI is and kind of a, a short version. Of, uh, of my story to the concept. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. I, I think it's
0: it's great to have that background, that perspective, and I guess as employers are looking to uh, roll out some of your principles, why is it important?
2: Yeah, so um, I think a, a big part of guy just in general, just purpose, if we just talk purpose in general, if you look at the trends within, within the workplace in a pre-COVID, uh, environment, um, you know, the numbers weren't great. So one out of three employees are engaged in the United States. Eight percent of employees globally are engaged, um, and you know that was in a pre-COVID environment where we were we we're looking at uh, something to the tune of like six hundred billion dollars in lost productivity per year. We're a services-based economy. Eighty percent of the US GDP is services, and that really comes down to two things that comes down to relationships and trust and in the financial services industry, in particular in the wealth management industry, it's um, that even amplified. And so I, I think when it comes down to, to purpose, um, yeah, there's, there's, I approach it from two angles. Angle number one is what's the organization's purpose. What I'm really surprised at finding is oftentimes it's a check the box type of exercise. Like we we, we have a group that kind of goes to an off-site for a day. We create this purpose, and then we walk away from it and maybe don't do much with it. Um, so there's, there's kind of that side of purpose. What's the purpose of this organization? What's the purpose of this team? Uh, and then the other side of it is uh, what's my purpose as an individual? What's my purpose as a, as a person? What I anchor on unlocking is this connection between if the organization does the right thing to identify the purpose um, and then they can provide the tools to the employee to under, have a better understanding of their purpose, there's magic that's created when you can connect those two dots. And so in a pre-COVID environment, I, thought, I think that's especially important now uh, more than ever. I think that's that much more relevant and important. I agree. I think a lot of people
1: in this post COVID environment or what's going through right now, I think have a lot of their identity is tied to their, to their job and what they do. And, and, and that's a lot of their purpose. What are some things like, what are some things that companies can do to use this to, to kind of drive that or to help people and anything that you have for right now with a lot of people having to work from home, you know, or, or, um, maybe possibly being furloughed, stuff like that. What, what are what are ways that what are ways that companies use that directly?
2: Great question. I mean, I think um, if we take a step back and just look at look at this concept of purpose, or even the concept of ikigai. So it's tied to to longevity. So the last year, the University of Michigan published a report in the Journal of American Medical Association that uh, linked purpose to longevity. Um, And in that report, the findings uh, said, you know, having a purpose in life is, as a larger, so it's this longitude study um, on the health retirement database, and was that this was for uh, U.S. citizens 50 years or older, that uh, having a purpose in life has a larger uh, impact on longevity than drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, regular exercise, wealth, education, I mean all these variables that we place such a heavy emphasis on. And so that report, within that report that was published last year, they cite, I believe, five or six research um, papers from Japan that, that are ikigai centric um, research reports. Even in the in the in the opening, I think in the first sentence, first paragraph of this research report, they they cite ikigai there so i think that's that's one just important anchor that you know having a purpose is tied to a lot of positive benefits now to your point what if my po- what if my my purpose is my job and i think um the challenge that a lot of employers face uh a challenge that a lot of employees face right now is this you know w- what we've seen uh, within the last decade or so, or maybe even further, is that um, technology has enabled the ability for um, work to come into home, right? So let's say I have a great job or a great day at, on the job today, uh, and then I wake up in the middle of the night at 2 30 in the morning and I remember that I forgot to respond to a really important email. Well, I'm just gonna reach over to the nightstand, I'm gonna grab my phone, and I'm gonna knock out that email and and that's going to disrupt my sleep and maybe i stay awake and then i start to think what else did i miss and now i'm you know running on a couple hours of sleep and i go into work the next day and i'm not going to show up as good that day as i showed up yesterday most likely right and so you know the the professional has come into the personal but the personal has not really come into the professional for most organizations i think for the visionary organizations that are forward-looking organizations they're doing smart things to equip their employees with well-being, and I'm intentionally using well-being and not wellness. I mean, they're doing a lot more than just throwing a gym membership at their people and saying, "Hey, if you exercise, you'll probably feel better." So, the dimensions of well-being that I focus on within the Ikigai Lab are social dimension, physical dimension, intellectual, emotional, professional, and even incorporating spiritual where it's appropriate. Um, so. I think if we, if we look at it through the lens of, hey, professional is one part of, of um, living a purpose-driven life, but what are these other dimensions and how can I be more intentional about that? Then I think that starts to unlock more, more opportunity for both employees and employers to engage in, you know, in the journey in a different way.
0: That's fantastic. I think it's it's really interesting. I I came to Orion uh, from a completely toxic uh, global investment bank, and the culture was so um, it's so uh, narrowly focused on making a profit that the essentially the employees' motivation seemed to just be that the bottom line and creating a profit and making sure that it's visible to your management so that you could be promoted, but really that purpose. Um, it, it seems to be almost counterproductive in serving their clients. How can an organization that has a profit-driven purpose implement these types of things without with, without it seeming like it's it's forced or it's uh, tacky effort?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these are roll the eyes kind of tacky efforts that that we've all experienced. I'm sure. I think it it comes down to a couple of things. One is just empowering. Well, empowering the people. You know, a lot of the organizational structures historically have been top down, not bottom up. And you know, you, you can look at the trends that are happening pre-COVID as well. I mean, you look at the business roundtables, uh, purpose of a corporation. And I think what those 180 CEOs were signaling and saying. You know, maximizing shareholder profit shareholder value is not the only uh, thing that we're focused on anymore. Now we've got to bring all stakeholders to the table uh, in a pre COVID world that came out August of 2019. I think you've got sustainable businesses, right? Businesses that are lasting or or attempting to position themselves to be lasting that are identifying the old recipe for success isn't going to cut it anymore. Uh, and I think that's, that's largely, anchored on two key components, one of which Orion um, excels at, it, and the two, two elements, the two contributing factors are technology and talent, right, and I, I, you could say they excel at both, I mean, but technology is is where your core focus is. Um, if you think about, if I'm the CEO of, name one of those 180 companies, right, and they're all household names, um, if you're the CEO of one of those companies, and you're looking out at a the landscape of millennials being the largest workforce and millennials having a very different perspective on value uh, as a consumer and value as a a potential employee, uh, that you gotta gotta change things because they're gonna have different options uh, before the world hit a global pandemic. Now that we're in it, I think um, potentially a silver lining is it starts to open up the perspective of uh, people who may have been close to that perspective um, before we you know, found ourselves in the situation that we're in now. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. Um, yeah, uh, Donny, I
1: remember we had to convince you for about the first year that uh, it wasn't us versus you, we were on your side. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was. I mean, 10% of the workforce was
0: let go and you just wanted to make sure that you were stepping on that person's face and keeping them in that 10% so that you were safe. Right. Yeah. So that was the kind of culture that, um, you know, that, that the the big banks have. That's why I just, I was looking at the 181 or so CEOs who participated in that round table. You, you mentioned Sam and it's like almost laughable that I see Jamie Dimon up there on the top. Um, you know, I quoted it on that list. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, what you just said kind of ties into a segue right now, the world is, you know, there are people who are, uh, you know, scared for their well-being. They don't know necessarily how the, um, you know, economic downturn is going to trickle down and affect them. Uh, many of us seem to be, you know, obviously continue to be employed in the financial sector, healthcare sector, but um you know, there's a, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of doubt, and a lot of concern, not to mention the fact that we have an election coming up this, uh, this year. Um, what, are, what are some silver linings that you're seeing in the workforce today, maybe coming out of this, um, maybe trends going into this pandemic, and, and, and certainly coming out of the pandemic that you could leave us with?
2: I mean, I think at the, at the very basic foundation level, there's this new sense of humanity, I think people are taking more things serious that deserve to be taken serious and kind of letting a lot of the BS that uh, had a tendency to either find its way in or rule the day uh, that's being left behind. Well, it's not not being left behind, um, but it's, I think it's being prioritized accordingly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when we're all on zoom calls and there's, at least for me, there's a, there's a threat at any given moment that a, four-year-old who come blasting through the door and has come blasting through the door. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a prior world, if that would have happened, it would have been horrific, but in. Yeah.
1: It, true. Current, so true. The,
2: right, right now it's happened a couple of times and add actually added an element of comic. So that's an example. I think um, just we're looking at things a lot differently. Uh, what I'm sub- observing is that are you know, purpose-driven that are values-based, strengths-based. Uh, it's separation is happening in this moment because those teams that have a foundation of trust, that can communicate, uh, that have a clear sense of of um, the vision and the direction, have faith, have authentic, vulnerable leaders that are saying, "I don't know the answers to everything, but you know, I'm willing to show up and do what I can do." Um, you know, seventy percent of the variance in engagement comes down to the manager. So, I think what I'm what I'm seeing uh, on a positive note, there's a dose of humanity, and then there is a sense of, well, so there's a separation. Those that are willing to invest the time to show up as a leader, seventy percent of the variance in employee engagement comes down to the manager, mm-hmm. and those managers that are willing to, to kind of be authentic, authentic, vulnerable, and say, I. I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to show up and to listen. Uh, I see a, a separation occurring. So that's kind of a silver line, lining for those who are there. For those who aren't there, uh, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity. Um, you know, there's a great quote from Bruce Lee, who says in the midst of chaos lies opportunity. For those leaders, whether you're a leader in an organization or, or you're, you, know, you just started on your first day or you're just, you're just a human being, right? We're all human beings. I think right now there's an opportunity for all of us to take inventory, reset, and um, maybe there was something that we always wanted, or wanted to do or aspired to do. Uh, now we've got a little bit of coverage uh, or cover in terms of taking some creative, courageous steps. Um, so that's, you know, that's what I'm seeing out there, this dose of humanity. I'm seeing a lot of people kind of re-engineering and taking inventory of what's important and driving their actions accordingly.
1: Sam, I've noticed that too. It's kind of weird that we've all been driven apart and in some odd way have all become kind of closer together um, yeah. in, in some other ways. And, you know, it there is an, there is like a, even though it's on Zoom and even though, um, you know, you're not with that person, there is a kind of a level of intimacy on Zoom that wasn't there before because really you're kind of inviting people into your home. Like we're all working from home. And so people can see your background, where you live, probably right. your kids. Unless your it's virtual.
0: Stuff. Silly virtual backgrounds yeah unless you so virtual backgrounds. a virtual background person don't
1: they well, yeah, you learn yeah you you learn that they probably don't want to show you what's behind them, but I think there's something to that um that, that- causes that connection to be a little bit deeper um than what it would be just meeting in an office so um but hey man we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and for being a part of this and telling us a little bit more about ikigai you know i know you have um a podcast as well i've listened to a few episodes where can people go if they want to learn more about um ikigai and and how it can maybe help them personally or or you
2: know professionally in their business yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's you can go to my website. It's gvg17.com. So that's gvg17.com. Uh, the Ikigai Stories podcast is available on all the platforms. Uh, right now, what we're doing is kind of an interesting twist where we're talking about well-being through the lens of the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls and Michael mm-hmm, Jordan. Yeah. And so we've got a three-part mini-series. We just recorded. Uh, episode number two where I'm talking to a guy named Andrew Venner who played walked on it for the Creighton Blue Jays and uh, just talking about these six dimensions and how they're showing up uh, there so that's what's happening right now and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to with you guys thanks Sam yeah likewise
1: Thanks for listening to The Fuse Show. In each episode, your co-host Ryan Donovan and me, George Figueroa, will take on top fintech news, will welcome industry leaders to share their perspective, and keep you up to date on all that's happening at Orion that will help advisors and their firms innovate, disrupt, and win. Feel free to share your thoughts on the show with us and send over us questions for future episodes. You can email us at Orion.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to bringing you episode 12 soon.